Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. The reasonable teenage rebellion that reasonably pushed back against all the inappropriate or bad instructions that you got as a kid don't apply here. They don't apply here. This is for you. But I can only ask you to believe that, test it out, and then find out for yourself. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from Clear and Open. Leaders tend to want their outsides to change without having to change themselves. But the truth is, you cannot become a leader without change, without changing yourself. Being a leader, the kind that truly inspires people to follow, requires becoming a better version of you. And part of that change is creating a different relationship with authority and instruction. This series is excerpted from my online course entitled Essential Leadership Processes, which you can find at courses.clearandopen.com. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click a link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Greetings, everybody. Hello, hello. This is session three of Essential Leadership Processes. And before we dive in, how about everybody says one word to describe where they are? An adjective. It's like a Mad Lib, only about you. Remember Mad Libs? Remember when you got older and you realized that Mad Libs was a pun on ad libs? Years and years had gone and you didn't, never knew as kids, oh, it's ad lib. But you didn't know Latin as a kid. Maybe that's, how many of you didn't know it was a pun on ad lib until just now? I didn't yeah. know it was a pun until just now. It and I'll ex- start with uh, frustrated. Okay, frustrated. Very, very good. Thank you. I hope you'll talk about what that is about uh, later on today, if it's relevant. I okay. see you're frustrated and I will raise you to terrified. <laughs> Cheers. All right, I'll back in a little bit to overwhelm. Overwhelm? Overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It's more going, a chronic state than acute, like terrified, but just as powerful. I'm going with swamped. Okay. It's a little uh, more moist than uh, overwhelmed. Mine's kind of the same. Behind is what came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Harried. Harried. That's a good word. I like that. Thank you. Tim, you cut your hair. Oh my God. No, I didn't. And it's still oh, there. Okay. It's just greasy. Okay. <laughs> Such a small window. I couldn't tell. Anyone else? I'll go with lost. Dan said lost. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, behind. Also behind. behind. Okay. We've got two for behind. 
I feel peaceful. Okay. I'm going with tired. Okay. Thank you. Determined. Determined. That's different. I think I'll just go with challenged. Challenged. Very good. I like how you're smiling as you say that. Uh, Expectant, maybe? Expectant? What? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know. I'm excited. It's like an excitement about something. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, about a lot of things. Cool. Expectant. It's uh, There's a wistful uncertainty with vague, uh, uh, vaguely um, posit- positive in that. Like, is that everyone? I would go with stuck for me. Stuck? Wait, who said that? Where are you? Natalie. Oh, there you are, <laughs> Natalie. Okay, stuck. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good word for you to embrace. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's something I want to do from time to time to help sort of open the space up and invite you into it more. So I want to talk about the, and so thank you for taking that space with that single word. Perhaps for some of you that will lead to taking space with more than one word, but it starts with one word sometimes, so that's fine. So let's talk about vision and what gets in the way for people by way of you telling me what you ran into in the process, right? Because the reason the title of the course is Essential Leadership Processes is, as I will remind you, ad nauseum, another ad Latin phrase. (laughs) That Mad Lib thing is so funny, isn't it? It it didn't hit me until a few years ago. Oh, ad lib, Mad Lib. Anyway, Uh, yeah, it's a process. So Some of you were quite aware from what I saw in the work that you sent me and what you said about it. Some of you were quite aware of the process it put you in. Some of you are still in it. Some of you are through it, uh, mostly. Some of you have not yet actually identified what the process is. That is, uh, another way of saying it is, the way by which the assignment is trying to change you process it's putting you in the the way the assignment is uh, inviting you to evolve and again you know it just reminds me of um my first martial art was uh, a very military literally a military style of jujitsu and it was extremely technical it it was um founded by a guy who was uh did two tours in vietnam as a green beret then train Green Beret in uh, hand-to-hand combat. I don't know. It was just by luck that I found this guy. I just happened to teach at the university I went to. Um, but this was like, you know, a real live warrior. Uh, retired as a major in special forces. And unsurprisingly, that martial art, I wouldn't call it a martial art. It was more like a martial science, uh, was, you know, they do this, you do this. They do this, you do this. Here's your, the term he used was response repertoire. And you, you would study thousands of techniques and find the ones that fit for you and learn the hell out of them so you could do them from any situation. And it's very effective for self-defense. That's why the military uses it. But there's no art in it. A martial art is the way I hold it. A martial art has art in it. And the art 
speaks to a process that has to do with you changing. So the founder of Aikido, his first for martial art, his name was Murehi Weshiba. He died in 1969. He studied jujitsu first too. And he got impatient with it, had some enlightenment experiences, and this other way of uh, orienting toward martial science came to him. And he created something that was not about defeating your opponent, but rather was about making the world one family, was one of the phrases that he talked about. And what I experienced viscerally was taking off my black belt in jiu-jitsu and putting on a white belt in Aikido and trying to make things happen in the Aikido dojo that could not be made happen. So I'd be working with someone who was better than I was, almost everybody was, and I would try to do something to them in a context where doing something to the other person is not the name of the game. It's about allowing yielding, blending, and doing what the moment calls for. Whereas the military style of jiu-jitsu that I learned was not about any of that. It was about essentially distracting the person long enough so that you could impose your will on them and do whatever you wanted. Which is great if you're trying to survive the next moment. But if you're trying to resolve a conflict with your spouse doesn't work so well, or move through a difficult moment with an employee or whatever. The rules are entirely different, uh, as you can imagine. So I remember being in tears, literally, experiencing the limits of my will and the inability to do what I knew. I was trying to stay the same person and make something happen on the outside. And the very design of Aikido is not that. The techniques don't work unless you make an internal shift in yourself to listen, to receive, to blend, to include the other person's energy in your own. That's the beauty of the art. It's, I mean, you just have to sort of use your imagination. It's like, imagine a movement that won't work unless you do something to you. It's a brilliant art that way. It's not the only art that's like that. There are many martial arts that. Aikido was not the first. Um, tai Chi, the internal version of it, internal versions of Kung Fu, uh, far older than Aikido, all included in internal martial art is something where it's about you changing that produces an external result. And external martial art is where you don't have to change at all. You're just imposing your will on the other person. And they both have their place. Ideally, you know how to do both. So, all of these leadership processes, it's just a metaphor to describe what these things are about. We want to relate to everything as an external issue. As I've said, I get to stay the same person and I'm going to produce this result and it will change things on the outside. Yeah, it's just not enough. That's the thing. It doesn't compel people to follow and it doesn't turn you into more of a leader. And so, bandied about in our society is like, well, leadership skills, whatever those are, I don't really relate to a leadership skill. I see leadership as an issue of being, not doing. But people talk about, oh, I want to become a better leader. I want to become 
you know, have leadership skills and, and yada, yada, yada. But there's not a lot talked about. What does that actually mean? What it means is you're, to borrow Kendall's word, challenged to see that the thing in front of you that there is to do requires you to become a different person who happens to be you, but isn't yet. A better version of you. So the conflict you have with your spouse, the conflict you have with your employee, the conflict you have with your customer. In Aikido, in Japanese, the kanji for harmony, the top part of it is two forces coming together to find a third direction. So jujitsu would say, you choose whatever direction you want and you force it that way. Your will. But real harmony is both people change. The situation creates some magical kind of transformation where both parties are never the same. So that is to say that when you do something like vision and the other eight things we're going to do in this course, it's not about you completing the assignment, handing it in, getting a letter grade on it and putting it on your refrigerator, which is what we've all been conditioned to do for 15 years or more. It's about discovering what the process is telling you about you that needs to change. So the difficulties that you run into is data for you to get really curious about. And this is tricky because when that happened in school, for the most part, it really had nothing to do with you. You know, when you ran into trigonomic, trigonometry difficulty or difficulty decoding Aristotle or whatever it was, that difficulty, it wasn't immediately about you. And there certainly wasn't anyone there to help you see that it was about you, that it was actually there to help you. Instead, it was framed as, well, you just have to produce the right results, cog in the machine that you are, so that you can get through this and get all of these marks on these, you know, transcripts so you can go to another institution and do the same so that you can get a job in another institution and do the same and then acquire a bunch of stuff and then die. That's the system. <laughs> and somewhere in there, you're supposed to make yourself happy. Good luck with that. That is a tragedy that we're all conditioned into. And it also instills into us all a reasonable flavor of deep victimhood because none of those systems are actually for you. They're not for you. And then someone like me comes along and says, hey, here are these processes that are going to help you in your life. And it's all for helping you, for helping you, for helping you. But your conditioning will get down with the pen and paper or whatever and run into difficulty and then throw your hands up and go, this is too hard. And you'll forget that it's for you. So that's the eye of the needle you have to get through because you're working against over a decade of conditioning before you had much of a head on your shoulders at all. And I can see this in the results that you're sending me. Some of you are still having a very difficult time following instructions. And I understand why. I really do. Because the instructions we've been given since we were children were not for you. They were for the authority figures with 
even worse, if they'd said it was just for the authority figures, that would actually be better. But they say, this is for you. This is for your own good. This education is going to prepare you for life. Have you noticed that your education didn't prepare you for life at all? Hardly at all? And then you end up having to learn from scratch all the things that are really useful that were somewhat maybe vaguely influenced by your education, but not really. I was just thinking recently, I don't know why it was coming to me in the last few days, I was thinking about uh, dating and, and uh, rom- romantic dynamics. And I think I was watching some TV show, or maybe it was, uh, I'm rewatching all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one, one of my all-time favorite series. It's brilliant. I love any, any story that has a reluctant hero in it, which is a classic leadership theory, uh, theme. Buffy is a very much a reluctant hero, so I love those figures. And there's a lot of, because they're teenagers, there's a lot of dating kind of stuff going on. And Xander is getting rejected by yet another woman, I think. And, uh, and I remember thinking, like, what would it have been like if we'd been taught in, like, probably middle school? If we'd been taught, hey, men have this kind of um, cup overflowing hormone thing where they're just drawn to scatter their seed on a biological level. And so they tend to overdo that and be attracted to women who have no interest in them whatsoever, but they don't realize that. So to say, talk, talking to all these 13, 14 year old boys, imagine if you said, so let's reframe rejection. Rejection doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means you made an attempt, you knocked on a door that was the wrong door. But it's not that there's something wrong with you that you did that because you're being a man and shooting the arrow and erring on the side of making many attempts. Whereas women, they do usually the opposite. And that's the yin and yang of things. So when a woman says no to you, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means you're like trick-or-treating and no one answered that door. Go on to the next one. Maybe you'll take a look. Like, how were you delusional? Did you think she was interested in you and turns out she wasn't? How did you miss those signs? It's a learning opportunity. How freaking hard is that? That could have been taught in eighth grade health, right? But it's not. It's not at all. So most of the, you know, that could be covered in 30 minutes and change the course of so many people's lives. Imagine all the rejection, quote, conversations that happen in the dating world that creates conflict, and then the the boy makes the girl pay for saying no to him, and it creates all this drama, instead of just being like, oh, I guess uh, that just wasn't it. I'll, I'll have to look at why that was. Not that difficult. But the instructions that we get especially in assembling things. Like there are many cases, I'd say at least 20% of the time, if you buy something that needs to be assembled, you're worse off if you follow the instructions, aren't you? Sometimes the instructions are literally wrong and you have to not follow them in order to be successful. So, and when they are successful in that they're not like blatantly wrong, they're not helpful. They're telling you about things that are not useful. So you learn about trigonometry rather than male-female dynamics or dating dynamics, uh, whatever the gender-to-gender uh, combination is. So I understand why all of this is to say why following instructions is difficult, and you just got to work that out. 
because my instructions are not written by someone whose English is the second language. You know, when you get the pasta and it says, you must boil pasta for 15 minutes, you know, where the grammar's all wrong and the word choice is all wrong. My instructions are extremely intentional. And some of you are not paying close enough attention to them. And that puts you at a very disadvantaged place for you getting what you want. So when you don't follow instructions, I'm going to tell you if you submit your work to me. And the thing to do then is to look at exactly how you did not follow instructions and then ask yourself why. Because you, the, the reasonable teenage rebellion that reasonably pushed back against all the inappropriate or bad instructions that you got as a kid don't apply here. They don't apply here. This is for you. But I can only ask you to believe that, test it out, and then find out for yourself. But some people live their entire lives with a rebellious relationship to instruction from authority that is trying to help them. And that just creates stagnation. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.